When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What happened to the Rockets last year? Who will be in the starting lineup? Does James Harden get the respect he deserves? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today I am pleased to bring on a friend of mine, Kurt Lowe who is a basketball analyst and a serious entertainer on SiriusXM when he calls in on that NBA show, and also writes for SpaceCityScoop.com. So, Kurt Lowe, you are the man with the info on what's happening with the Rockets, and I'm looking forward to getting some straight info from you. Yes, sir, man. Pleasure to be uh, having me again, uh, uh, Mr. Nick. Again, man, I always check out your podcasts and always check out your videos and breakdowns. It's amazing, man. All right. Well, don't get hit by the train as we're doing this. So um, <laughs> let's 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 go. Wait, wait, let, let's look at the beginning here, because I think, you know, there's been some moves with the Rockets. Who the heck is going to start for them this year? You know, this is the starting lineup from what I'm told. And it's uh, with Dan and Dan and Tony. It's uh, Beverly Harden, Ariza, uh, Ryan Anderson and Clint Capella. Now, in my honest opinion, I don't think that's going to be the, the, the finishing finishing team down the stretch. I think Eric Gordon's going to play a lot of minutes in this system, and especially next to Harden. Um, I see a lot of people they uh, they uh, they want Patrick Beverly in there, but Patrick Beverly decreased on uh, uh, defense last year, and everybody in Houston saw it. I saw a lot of breakdowns on defense by him, and huh. it had a lot to do with Harden in the whole uh, offense last year. I mean, defense last year. So you think that he was like trying to help out too much with Harden that that hurt his own defense? I think it's his legs. I don't think they're the, the quickest people might think. Um, I've seen like lateral movement and, 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 and uh, moving backwards, uh, like CP3. Even Steph Curry abused him last year, which that you never seen that with Patrick Beverly. Huh. People are just driving by him at will. So possibly that he's gotten himself back in shape and gotten his legs back under him. I, I, I would ha- I, it would be hard for me to believe that he couldn't get get that back, right? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, you see a player once and you start looking at the scouting tape, you start seeing how to, how to and you know, when you when you become second uh, all-NBA uh, team defense, uh, all-NBA, uh, this is going to be a, a sign on your head saying, well, this guy thinks he can shut me down, so I'm going to try to abuse him to show him what, you know, who's the better who's the better player, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've seen that all last year with Patrick Beverly. Remember, I think Patrick Beverly was undrafted and he came into the league and, and made it famous through uh, his defense and hustle and hard work. You know, his defense is kind of on the okay, above average, in, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just I, his hustle and his tech. Uh, I, I actually – But you know uh, – Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, you know, Coach Nick, nowadays you can't even put your hands on a player, you know what I mean, without somebody you know, calling a foul on that player. You know, and that's what he's – that, he's that old school type of player that, 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 that gets in your head. That's the kind of guy you want in the playoffs, you know what I mean? Not, a, mm-hmm. not the kind of guy you want in the regular season. He's he's actually been a great uh, he's improved his three point shooting, 
But um, in my opinion, I, I mean, he's not a starter in this league, period. Huh. All right. Well, I guess the, the Rockets don't have anybody else to shove in there. I mean, unless they want to try and do some weird like Eric Gordon, James Harden backcourt, uh, which is interesting to me with uh, maybe with D'Antoni's offense. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that with that offense, I think it, it, Eric Gordon is going to perform well. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, I believe he shot 43 or 44% two years ago with the New Orleans Pelicans at, from three, and he was second only behind uh, Kyle Corbin, three-point percentage. See, this is the formula, and this is what I've noticed. With, with this, These are all players that Darren Moore has been, you know, itching to get, you know what I mean, but been able to uh, put them all together in one. But uh, these guys all shoot, shoot great from the three-point. So what they're doing, I mean, what Daryl Moore is doing is surrounding James Harden with three-point shooters because last year they couldn't hit nothing. I think they were like 19th in percentage-wise from three-point percentage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, But they they were second in three-point attempts. So they're, 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 what they're trying to do is like the, like the Golden State Warriors. Two years straight, they've uh, been number one in field goal percentage from three-point, and they've been number one in, in, in three-point attempts. So when they're shooting them, they're actually, you know what I mean, they're, 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 they're making them. You know, and that's the problem with, when in Houston. Not, on, not only that, but the defense. So you're thinking that uh, with D'Antoni's offense, with a lot of dribble handoffs and a lot of movement attack on the catch, they're going to be able to space and open up the shots for Eric Gordon and um, the uh, who else are we talking about? Ryan Anderson. Those, those two guys, in your mind, are probably going to have big years. Oh, they're going to have tremendous years, and especially with that new Dan Tony's offense. But understand this, Nick. The offense wasn't the problem last year. It was the defense, okay? Nobody could block a shot. Nobody could control the paint. I think they were like second or third in, in, in giving up paint points, and I think second in uh, 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 turnovers per game. I mean, it was just – it was – and the points off the turnovers was even worse. You know what I mean? So transition defense was a huge problem for the Rockets, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, what – but I noticed, and, and I went through a lot of tape uh, the last couple months, it's Dwight Howard. I never noticed this, but it's Dwight Howard. It's the guy. He, I don't know if he gave up on a team or what happened with him. He didn't give it. I, I, I did some research on this, and Clint Capella was better on defense than uh, Dwight Howard was on defense last year. Dwight Howard was barely above a positive on the defensive end, on the on-off. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, it's a, well, well, maybe Dwight was a problem. Maybe that's why they let him walk. Maybe he's hit that stage in his career where it's time, you know, it, it, it's decline time, like Shaq. You know what I mean? Oh, and I, and I kind of seen that. Cause, yeah, absolutely. We 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 definitely seen decline, and uh, there are moments, but certainly those are fewer and far between. Uh, now, what did you think about him uh, as far as, you know, meshing as a team, as a teammate in the locker room? Was that, you know, I, I, I didn't keep my finger on the pulse of it last year with the Rockets, but, you know, we've seen him in the past as issues with the Lakers. So did that, was that an issue or was he a good teammate? I think it was his ego. And in the first half of the season wasn't a problem. Um, he complained about got, not getting enough low-touch uh, posters. When you, when you ever see uh, a Dwight Howard posting up on somebody, it's always it's a ninety percent chance there's going to be a, 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 a some kind of problem or some kind of mess up because this guy is not a low post player. Why would you even give him the ball in the post? I mean, it's going to be a turnover. It's going to be something crazy. You know what I mean? Well, and, and I don't I never, I never understand why they put Dwight Howard in that frame like he's Shaquille O'Neal or he's somebody like a king. To where he's got to be in the post. That's not his game. Well, his know, game I, is always it's on the defensive end. I remember an old school football coach once once said that three things can happen with a forward pass, and two of them are bad. <laughs> and 
Yep. Got, it's the same thing, I think, with Dwight Howard's uh, post-ups. You know, three things can happen. He could score, he could miss, or he could turn it over. And two of those things are bad. And uh, without question, if they don't just get back to they, – they should have just been screening and rolling, letting him dive to the hoop and hitting him there. He would. That's when he was doing so well with the, the Magic. But I, I certainly think that, um, you know, the Rockets are I'm probably happy to have Capella in there anyway just because of the way he blended in with guys like Harden. Oh, absolutely. He's one of the quickest centers you'll ever see in this game right now. He's about as quick as a deer. But the, what you're, you're right about that. Dwight Howard's always been a pick-and-roll player. You know what I mean? You get you, you give him the pick, and he rolls to the rim fast. Yeah. He didn't want to do that last year. You know what I mean? I don't know what was going on in his, his mind. Uh, he felt like he was the superstar of the team. I don't know what was going on in Dwight Howard's head. But it led to a lot of problems in Houston. And I don't think – I don't think many people can blame James Harden for the season he had last year. I mean, he was sixth in assists per game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The guy wasn't – make it seem like James Harden doesn't pass the ball. You know, he dribbles the ball for 24 seconds. And, and, and No, James Harden understands how to win in this league. He's been to the Western Conference Finals twice with two different teams and once to the finals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not looking at this guy as the problem because he had a better year this year than he had last year. You know what I mean? Every, every stat went up. Rebounds, points. I mean, assist. I mean, it's just insane that the 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 hate that this guy gets on the floor. I mean, I understand he draws a lot of fouls, but that's that's what a good player does. You know what I mean? You don't look at the the, the superstars of the team of your team and they don't get uh, nine or ten free throws a game. Well, what is he doing wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's my opinion on it. I have no problem uh, with him drawing fouls. It's a, it's a skill, and he's really mastered it. What's interesting is a little quick aside: as I've been studying, um, as a, a breakdown's coming up on Russell Westbrook and how he finishes as an he's an average finisher at the rim. Uh, and part of the issue he has is that he tries to draw contact after he's in the air and really doesn't get those calls. Whereas uh, Harden is the guy who was able to draw the, the contact on the ground uh, on the way up. And I think that's a big difference. And I think that however he figured it out, he's been able to master that. And a lot of players don't. Oh, I agree 100%. And like I said, you're going to see a whole different James Harden next year as a team leader. Um, I think Dwight Howard, butted, they, them two butted heads, like I said, not the first half of the season, but in the second half of the season. But you know what, Nick? A lot of that has to do with the coaching problems that they had. You know what I mean? They had this J.B. Bickerstaff that was a coach that was already with McHale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you fire a coach, you fire the whole coaching staff at the same time. I don't care what anybody tells you, but these guys were chosen by this coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be the same principles, same things going on. And a lot of people lost respect for that guy during half the season. So that's when you get those uh, those those real big issues that, that was going on in this uh, the Rockets in, uh, organization. Well, and you could tell from the, from the body language. Explain this to me, because I only have ever heard an interim coach who had taken over in the middle of the year take his name out of the running for the head coaching position that ne- the, for the, pre- the next year, like Bickerstaff did. What was that about? He couldn't control the locker room. I mean, you're talking about big-time superstars in this league, you know what I mean? James Harden and Dwight Howard. I mean, they, they're, 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 they got big egos and they got big heads, you know what I mean? And you got to find a coach that can control those two. And those two, I mean, Mikael was great at, 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 at keeping the peace down there. He was, I'll admit that. He wasn't the greatest X and O's coach, but he damn sure kept those guys together. But um, with, with J.B. Bickerstaff, they just, they, did, they just never listened to him. He never could get them back on defense. It, it was just a bad marriage from the start. Um, and, and, and it's one of those things where no coach wanted to take over. You know, no good coach 
was going to take over in half the season already, you know, right. already going on. So that's where you got the, 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 the problems with that and nobody listening to the coach and everybody doing what they want to do. It was kind of like a, a bunch of chickens with their head cut off running around. You know what I mean? That's what it seemed like to me all year. So, and it sounded like, I mean, he must have known that Dwight was going to walk. So it sounded to me then that like he knew he wasn't going to be able to coach Harden because that, that would be the guy, the, you know, the elephant in the room. I believe they let Dwight go because of his it, because of, of of his decline. I mean, mm-hmm. it's no, it's no it's no you don't just let good players like that just leave. You know what I mean? Right. It had to be something in there. That, and, and I'm talking about analytical stats here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you know you're talking about Daryl Moore, the guy that's you know that's got a whole bunch of room that tells you how good a player is and how good a, a, a player is not on the floor and with certain certain guys on the floor at the same time. And everybody could tell Dwight Howard was had a hard time running up and down that floor. I mean, his speed is gone. And his athleticism is gone. I mean, he can still rebound. He can still, you know, uh, uh, antagonize people in the paint, you know, get, get them upset. But they challenged him last year, and i never seen that before with Dwight Howard. They were challenging him at the rim with no problems. And, and, and Dwight Howard, I, I, I want to say this about the guy, but he was very, very lazy last year. And I think, again, that had everything to do with the coaching of not getting people motivated. You know a coach, I mean, your coach has got to be the guy that's going to tell you, hey, man, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. And I don't think that's what was going on in there. I think he was too scared. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff was too intimidated to, to say anything about these guys. Yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. And for, for coaches who are listening, you know, sometimes you don't have to do it where, like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong as a motivational tool. You could, you could actually say, uh, do you think you could do better? <laughs> you know, if you, yeah, you know, there's ways to put it, you know, yeah, you know, and I think that I mean, I think, you know, there's there's no way to do it when you're talking about the guys like Dwight and, and, and James. But, you know, if you if you do the tape and you show them and say, you know, you can make it even in a question. Could you do better on this or is there a better way to play this? Uh, I think sometimes, you know, it, it might be a completely impossible situation. But, you know, I having listened to a positive coaching alliance uh, lecture the other night, uh, I, I'm in that mode and uh, I, 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 I want to make sure everyone has that mindset before they approach whoever they're coaching at whatever level um so here's the other question i have for you then because mike d'antoni's offense at its height uh had steve nash running it and clearly they don't have a player like that who plays like that but are you do you see uh, a possibility of james harden playing some reasonable version of what nash did in phoenix uh kind of i mean he's already playing that role now you know what i mean um, I see his assists per game going up some because with these guys that the, the the shooters they surrounded around him. But understand, James Harden is James Harden. He can attack the rim at will. He's one of the best offensive players in the game right now, if not top two or top three in the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's all about his effort on defense. He was playing way too many minutes last year. I mean, they expected this guy to do everything last year, you know, and and put a hundred percent on defense. I mean, it's not possible. When you're running up and down the floor 40 minutes straight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's going to be some fatigue there. It's going to be some mis- uh, breakdowns on, on defense. And and a thing I want to say, Coach, there is a lot of defensive players that did, was not played last year, and that had a lot to do with the problems on defense. I mean, if Dwight Howard doesn't want to uh, uh, throw 100% in there, why not just play Clint Capella starting him? Yeah. You know, what about K.J. McDaniels? Why wouldn't he in there? I mean, I'm looking at him. He was a plus 14 when on the floor last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, went on the floor, us and off the floor. So that's a big time problem, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. That guy needs playing. I, I liked what I, the little I saw with KJ, like in Philly, 
And, uh, you know, the, the question is going to remain, will he, would he be able to plug that in and do well on the offensive end? Because you know that D'Antoni's probably going to value that a little bit more than defense anyway. Um, so if he could ever show that he could, you know, knock down some threes. I, I do have a vision in my head of, you know, I think the key here with, with um, Harden is going to be, like, can he get used to coming off of dribble handoffs? I think that's going to be a real key for him. Can they get him off the ball? get a, a, pin, a screen on the weak side coming around and a handoff, and then, then he can suck the defense in and either score or kick out. Uh, that's the real question. If he could handle that and, and is willing to do that kind of stuff, uh, and he's got, yeah, he can't play more than, I would say, 35 minutes a game. Uh, if they can get those two things going, then, yeah, they're going to outscore a lot of teams and, and win games that way. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, again, it all, it all, when it comes to the playoffs, it's all about defense. No matter what team you are, you're going to see the top five defense is always going to prevail. And three-point shooting, is, it's always this, man. You always live and die by the three-pointer. If you're not making your three-pointers and you shoot a lot, you're going to probably lose that game, man. You've seen a lot of that in the playoffs last year with the, with the uh, Cleveland and, and Golden State and a couple others, you know what I mean, even OKC, when they started to get uh, uh, happy with the three. But um, uh, this, is, this is my opinion on, on the whole situation. They just hired this coach from uh, Jeff, uh, I believe his name is Jeff Belzik. I can't say his last name, but it's B-Z-D-E-L-I-K, I believe yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> he was the defensive coordinator for the, yeah, he was the defensive coordinator for the, uh, for, the, uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies for two years. Now, last year, he was pretty good at it. I believe they were second in points per game, uh, allowing points per game and, and uh, set a third in defensive rating. But last year they were pretty bad on on, on those scales right there. I believe they were they were ranked in the top uh, the lower uh, lower ten, um, because of all the injuries they had. Mm-hmm. This guy I believe is going to change the whole defensive mindset. You know what I mean? I believe he's going to get people to hustle. I mean, this is what the problem last year, uh, uh, my my friend. It was no coaching. There was nobody nobody leading each other. It was just one guy. You know, like I said, a whole bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off. Uh, and yeah, Bizdelic is uh, is has that reputation of being a defensive-minded coach. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, he coached at my high school like way before I was there, which is a, a very strange thing because we don't normally have NBA coaches coming out of my high school coaching. But uh, you know that could help uh, certainly because you know if you look back at who uh, Dan Tony has had in the past to help him on the defensive end, it's probably you know this might be his best uh, option he's had so far. Uh, my, my biggest concern, what we saw with the Lakers, uh, was when the offense kept getting lopsided. It would have four across the perimeter of uh, the baseline, and uh, when they would shoot a corner three and it would miss, it was a fast break every time in a layup. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times you'd see you know, Dan Tony angrily call timeout and storm out on the floor yelling at the players because they didn't, you know, they got scored on real easily. And uh, there's no question with the way, you know, the, the Rockets want to shoot threes, that is certainly a possibility that they're going to get out of, they're bent out of shape and get scored on in the transition. Yeah, that's a, that's a concern of mine, too. I mean, I've, I've never been a Dan Tony coach. And I'm here to tell everyone, man, there's a reason why Dan Antonio has never made the NBA Finals, you know what I mean, as a coach. And I believe his, his winning percentage is like 50%, you know what I mean, in the NBA. I know that had a lot to do with the New York Knicks, but... You know, it's still in general, man. You know, uh, offense is good overseas, 
But remember, this is it's the NBA, and defense matters more more than offense. Unfortunately, uh, there there is some truth to that. That said, I, I, they, let's not overlook that they had they really should have been there the uh, the year that uh, they had to suspend Stoudemire when they came on the court a few feet, uh, and that when uh, when Ori took out uh, Nash. Uh, against the Spurs, so that that I will say that that was an extenuating circumstance, and it certainly looked like they were all set to go and, and make the finals. But um, but yes, it, that, there, there's no question that there are some issues here, and uh, whether they can uh, put them all together is another question as well. They finished eighth last year. They squeak into the playoffs. Uh, you know, ruined the Warriors' season with a, a nice, uh, well-timed slip by uh, um, oh god, who slipped on the floor and left it all wet for him. Um, uh, Modi Yunus. Yeah, that was in Houston. And um, yeah. so are they going to do better than that this year? Oh, 41? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> uh, like I said, we got rid of the disease in Dwight Howard. Again, this guy has, has, has well, wear, weared out his welcome in uh, Orlando. Same thing in L.A. Now it's, now it's Houston. You know what I mean? Maybe it's maybe maybe Dwight Howard needs to look in the mirror and say, you know what? Maybe it's not Maybe it's me and it's not everybody else on the team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think one person on uh, one person, one cancer on your team can affect your whole your whole team chemistry. You know what I mean? Sure. Especially a guy that's got a, as vocal as Dwight Howard. I would expect this team. Like I said, they were nineteenth in three point field goal percentage. That's going to increase. And nowadays, if you notice, the people that are uh, uh, the efficient in the three point percentage wise, they all they're always got a got a, a winning record. You know what I mean? They're always uh, ten or twenty games above five hundred. And I think the Spurs were second, and I think uh, Golden State was number one in that field le- last year. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a big part of the game now, and I think they're more improved at. Also, with the veteran leadership of uh, Nene, that's another guy that, that's being uh, uh, not being told anything or, or has any uh, big buzz coming this way. But that was also a great signing because he's going to teach Clint Capella how to be a professional in this league and, 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 and to be uh, 100% uh, 24-7 going down, up and down that court. And, and one, that's one thing with Capella coming out of college. With, I mean, coming out of, from overseas into the NBA was his motor. His motor wasn't always 100%. Sometimes he'd be lazy on the floor. And you've seen that last year. And that had to do with a lot of the players not giving 100%. Sure. And, you know, when you look at the three-point percentages and the attempts from last year, when you got guys like Marcus Thornton and Corey Brewer in your top six uh, of uh, attempts, you, you replace those guys with Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson – I would have no problem agreeing with you that their percentage should go up, uh, and it should go up uh, enough that they could get catapulted into, you know, well, here's the thing. If they were eighth last year and they're going to move up, that means someone's going to move down. So who is it? Memphis, Dallas? Uh, those are the, probably the two prime guys you're going to look at. Who's going to fall? Uh, Dallas. Uh, I mean, they, they look really bad this year. I mean, I don't know what happened. I, Harrison Barnes. He look. He doesn't. <laughs> I know people are probably going to laugh at this, but Harrison Barnes, I don't think was was a big a big uh, uh, positive to the to the Golden State Warriors last year. Right. And uh, I mean that, and that's what they're banking on as their superstar. You know what I mean? Dirk is is done. But um, I see the Rockets, man. I see them finish around fourth or fifth, and I also see the Trailblazers taking a step down too. Because I mean, again, last year it wasn't a whole lot of great play, great uh, teams in the West last year. I mean, it could have been from injuries to you know everything that's going on there. So I see them. I see the Trailblazers also taking a dive too. Really? All right, because they they reloaded a little bit, added some some talent, and uh, you know, another, one more year together, and guys improving. I, Dallas is an interesting take because remember they also added Andrew Bogut, who was instrumental for them for the Warriors, and uh, when he went down, really hurt them. So 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Carlisle to be able to stitch it together. Uh, it does bring us to Memphis, who has you know some new players and a brand new coach, uh, as does Houston. But this is a brand new rookie coach. Uh, and we're going to have to find out if Fizdale really knows how to do it or not because we've certainly seen when Jaeger took over, he knew what he was doing. Um, and so I don't know. It's interesting. I would say Memphis is the one prime guy to drop down, and then Houston can battle for that like sixth spot. But we'll have to see. It looks like the Portland and the, uh, you know, the Clippers also could be one of those surprise teams that maybe maybe has come to the end of their run. Yeah, Clippers, no, nah, I don't think so. I think it's more – when you say the Grizzlies, this is how I look at the Grizzlies. Um they had a lot of players hurt last year. I mean, Zebo was down, Gasol was down. I mean, and, and Conley. I mean, that's a lot. And Tony Allen, that's a lot. That's your whole starting four, four out of five players on your team. So I expected that to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, they're getting those players. They're getting all those players back next year, and you expect a, di- a big difference in that uh, that that uh, winning. Now, I, I believe I, I believe you're right about the coach. I think they're going to take a couple of losses, you know, here and there because of the coach coaching uh, change. But I don't see them no, no farther than six, uh, if not higher than the Houston Rockets because of the defense. Yeah. Well, e- either way you look at it, the Western Conference is going to be an- another bloodbath and probably even more serious than it was last year. So everyone's going to be uh, on their toes and everyone's going to be hoping for no injuries because one, if anything like that happens to any of these teams, forget about it. Uh, they're dead in the water. So, uh, Kurtlow, I think this is a great uh, you know, insight into what's happened with the Rockets and what we think is going to happen. Uh, we'll have to check with you uh, later on this season to see how accurate this is um, and find out what's going on. Absolutely, Coach. Thanks for having me again, man. It's a pleasure being on your show. You got uh, it. Always respect to you. My, my pleasure. And, uh, you know, and aside from tuning into uh, SiriusXM NBA Radio, where you, where you, where you definitely will hear Kurt Lowe like, almost every day calling in, uh, where else can, how can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can catch me at, uh, at SWHTown, uh, H-T-O-W-N, 30 on uh, Twitter. And uh, again, I love interacting with NBA fans and I love teaching and I love getting, you know, the wrong, wrong information sometimes. So maybe y'all can help me out with that, you know? All right. Well, listen, one of the reasons why we're here is because it's a conversation in which I will now remind everybody that at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. It's a conversation. You in? Are you in, Kurt Lowe? Absolutely, I'm in. <laughs>